Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Cloudwater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A reading from the second chapter of Luke. In those days a decree went out from Emperor Augusta that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them at the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. Grace and peace to you, my siblings in faith. Across time, there have certainly been different responses to the news about the birth of Jesus. Joy to the world didn't always carry with it an immediately uh, joy-filled response to the ears of those hearing it. Every heart didn't prepare him room. Joy to the world was not this beloved Christmas carol. In fact, it was originally written as a song of Easter. And so how did this song become the chorus that we sing today? How did this news of joy entering the world affect those ears who first heard it? Well, the first person to hear it was, of course, Mary. And she hears it through the voice of an angel. A very unique way to be told that you're going to be bearing the Son of God. So as she hears this news, she clearly has a lot of questions. And she wonders, well, how can this even be? Yet the angel assures her and gives her this sense of hope And so finally she is resolved and says, here I am, a servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. It's not until months later as she's discerning this with her her relative Elizabeth where things start to come into focus and the joy starts to fill her heart in anticipation of this special baby. You got the perspective of Joseph from Matthew's account as Joseph now hears that his wife, his betrothed, is the one who's going to be having a baby. This doesn't necessarily sit well with him. And so he resolves to divorce her until an angel appears in one of his dreams and tells him what's really going on. And so as he hears this news, he's also not filled with joy. He's filled with a sense of duty and obligation and said, yes, okay, 
I know that this is how this is to happen, and so I will take you as my wife, and we will have this child, and we'll name him Jesus. Of course, you also have the perspective of the shepherds, right? The, those shepherds, in any good Christmas play, you've got the animated shepherds who help us learn that story as they're wandering in and coming to see this good news. And of course, they find out the news in a very unexpected way. Imagine someone showing up to your work as an angel to deliver this news. I'm sure that would be shocking to all of us. Yet these shepherds hear the news, and because they're terrified, the angel assures them, no, no, listen, go to Bethlehem. And so they do. Their curiosity takes them to Bethlehem, and they find this baby Jesus. And then they are tasked with sharing that good news. Thank God that they did. Fast forward now to our modern times. It's a story that still grips us. It's why we are here. It's why we gather year after year to hear the story of the birth of Jesus. Whether we're 80 or whether we're 8, it's a story that's, that fills our hearts with joy to be able to share and to tell one another. But I find it to be really interesting how different people across different ages interpret this story. So you take example, the old guys. I took this story to the old guys on Tuesday and I said, tell me something that you found interesting about this because I'm sure you've heard this many, many times. And so the old guys listened to the story and immediately they had some concerns. They said, Pastor John, this isn't accurate. I was like, okay, what's, what's wrong? They're like, this isn't what we had to memorize when we were little children. I was like, okay, that was a really long time ago, guys. Tell me what that was all about. And they said, when we were kids, we would have to stand in front of the whole congregation and say these memorized lines. And they're like, this Emperor Augustus, what's that all about? He was the Caesar, you know, like the salad guy, right? And then they were like, and this whole engaged to be married, that, doesn't, that wasn't it. She was betrothed to Joseph. And they kept raising up all of these points of things that were a little bit different. And they're like, but it's such a great story. And so we'll, we'll be able to forsake, you know, what we grew up with if you continue to use this new, new revised standard version. New as in coming from 1989. So uh, I appreciated that they were willing to give me a little bit of grace. Now the women of wisdom uh, later that afternoon... Uh, they live into that name of wisdom because every time that we gather together, they give, us, uh, they give me some great nuggets of, of things to think about. Uh, they've, they've written many a sermon. Uh, so the women of wisdom, as, as they were hearing this story, they, they, again, they had a few comments and observations. But then we looked at the commentary and some of the things that were a little bit different, uh, some of the details of the story that we sometimes put in there that aren't really there. Like, for example, there isn't a donkey in the story, but we just always picture Mary riding in on a donkey, and then, like, last minute she shows up, and right as she's about to give birth, she gives birth in the stable. And that's not in the story. Uh, but as, as our imaginations were going with us, one of the women just piped up and says, Pastor John, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter if that's not in the story. It's in the story that we know and the way that we tell it. And so I don't care if that's not written there. It's part of our way of telling this story. And I said, that, that's great. I love that there's so much love of this story that that can be part of it. So then you take a look at maybe one of the younger people who would listen to this story. For example, my son Sullivan. He's seven. Sullivan has a much, much different perception of this story than one of the old guys. In fact, when Sullivan was presented with this story, he was a little reluctant. In fact, last weekend, we celebrated Christmas with my parents. They came to town. First thing that my parents do when they show up, they come and they bring all their presents, and they put the presents right underneath the tree, and the kids are really, really excited, and Sullivan has declared that we're going to open the presents. 
We're not going to open the presents yet, okay? Sullivan, we've got to wait. So, of course, you know, Grandma brings all the crafts, and so we, they're decorating, they're making uh, Christmas ornaments, they're doing all sorts of fun stuff, and they're doing all these activities. Of course, then his older sisters have to go to dance for a little while, so then they come back, we have to eat lunch. And I don't know if you remember this, but the Vikings kind of had an interesting game last week where if you actually turned it off, you'd think it was done, but it wasn't really done. So you had to keep watching that game. We had a whole lot of stuff that was just kind of happening before we could open the presents. And so Sullivan, every few minutes, would be like, it's time to open the presents. And we are like, no, it's not time to open the presents yet, until it was. And so Sullivan... It's time to open the presents. And so he immediately bolts and he gets right under the tree because he finds his gift. He's ready to, to unwrap his present. We're like, wait, not yet. We have to do something first. We have to hear the story of Christmas from the Spark Bible. So his older sister pulls out the Spark Bible and she starts to read the story about the birth of Jesus, about Mary and Joseph and the baby being born. And he's so excited for it to be over. And then she turns the page. And he goes, wait, there's more? <laughs> yes, yeah, Sullivan, the shepherds. And so she reads the part about the shepherds and the angels. And then finally, I said, okay, you can be done. We don't have to hear about the wise men and the angels. We'll wait till Epiphany. And he's like, oh, we can finally open the presents. And then he goes, why do we have to listen to this story anyway? Which led to a great opportunity for us to share Sullivan, this is the reason why we're celebrating Christmas. This is the reason why we have gifts and why we share love with those who are around us. This story is the whole reason for Christmas with presents, Santa Claus, and all of the, that stuff. And suddenly, Sully was confronted with this and still was a little reluctant, but at least he got his presents. You know, there's something about this story. We don't have to overanalyze it. We get it. It's not hard to see why this story is so important. We see how much is going on with, with the conflict in the very beginning with this couple as they aren't even sure about the legitimacy of their marriage and being able to move forward. And then suddenly we have this message from God to, to go forward. They take a journey to an overcrowded town called Bethlehem. And then there's no room for them because of the census that's been imposed by a, ru a ruler looking to put a tax on his people. And so it's not for a lack of hospitality that they can't find a room. It's a resource shortage. Everyone in, Joseph, in, everyone in Joseph's line is there. They take refuge wherever they can. And even if that means showing up here in a stable. You know... They find joy in the birth. And I mean, imagine these animals come to life and the sounds and the, the things that these animals are doing. It's not a silent night. It's not peaceful. It's not something where nothing is going on. It's not quiet as a mouse. Yet it's in this moment, in this place, that this child is born. For unto us a child is born. We expect a different dwelling for a king. Yet it's precisely in this dwelling that our king is born. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Jesus is born. Let heaven and nature sing. That child sent from heaven dwells among us. So here we are in this place, in this sanctuary tonight, to hear that story. Some of us have heard this story many, many, many times. 
And for some of us, it's one of the first times. I know there's a familiar refrain that sometimes Christmas feels a little too commercialized. Too much about the presence. Not enough Jesus. There's a simple solution to that. It's right in front of us. Repeat the sounding joy. Share the story. Tell people about why Jesus is here in the first place. Jesus comes into this world to teach us about loving God and loving our neighbor. Jesus comes into this world to provide a dwelling here on earth and in heaven above. And so use this story as our mission statement from God to go out into this world, to inspire our ministry, whether that's providing food to kids who are hungry, blankets, coats, or homes to the, hum- to the homeless, or encouraging our faith from the youngest to the oldest. Because this is the reason why we are filled with joy. Even in a world filled with sadness and pain, because we are filled with Jesus, we are the hope for someone else. We bring that hope into this world. We are the wonders of God's love. The joy of Christmas won't stop tomorrow afternoon after the last present's unwrapped and after you've had that meal. Think about it. Be the wonder of God's love as you go back to work or to school or when you encounter the stranger. So one maybe last bit of advice. Before you open your presents, read the story. Read the story again. And if you don't have a Bible handy, retell it. Maybe take Deacon Nina's idea and tell the story through candy. The sullies of the world would love that. But think about the way that this story can come to life. And you don't have to worry about getting every detail right. You don't have to worry about how that story comes to life because as you're telling it, it becomes your story. God's truth and grace is the greatest gift that we get to to give this Christmas. So joy to the world. Joy to the world indeed. Amen. We hope these words will strengthen you as you live out your daily life. If you would like to know more about Faith Lutheran, leave a prayer request, or financially support our mission and ministry, please go to our website at faithfl.org. May God bless you in the days ahead.